0: At this moment, Ponticanius and the man who had been walking with him in in another part of the garden arrived at the house looking for their friends. Now that they had found them, they said that it was time to go home as the daylight was beginning to fade. But the other two told them of the decision that they had made and what they had proposed to do. They examined what had made them decide to take this course and how they had agreed upon it. And they asked their friends if they would not join them, at least not to put obstacles in their way. Ponticanius said that he and another man did not change their old ways, but they were moved to tears for their own state of life. In all reverence, they congratulated the others and commended themselves to their prayers. Then they went back to the palace, burdened with hearts that were bound to this earth, but the others remained in the house, and their hearts were fixed upon heaven. Both these men were under a promise of marriage, but once the two women heard what had happened, they too dedicated their virginity to you. This is what Ponticanius told us. But while he was speaking, O Lord, you were turning me around to look at myself. For I had placed myself behind my own back, refusing to see myself. You were setting before my own eyes so that I could see how sordid I was, how deformed and squalid, how tainted with ulcers and sores. I saw it all and stood aghast. But there was no place where I could escape from myself. If I tried to turn my eyes Away, they fell on Ponticanius, still telling his tale. And in this way, you brought me face to face with myself once more, forcing me upon my own sight so that I should see my wickedness and loathe it. I had known it all along, but I had always pretended that it was something different. I had turned a blind eye and forgotten it. But now the more my heart warmed to these two men as I heard how they had made the choice that was to save them by giving themselves up entirely to your care, the more bitterly I hated myself in comparison with them. Many years of my life had passed, twelve, unless I'm wrong, since I had read Cicero's Hortensius at the age of nineteen, and it had inspired me to study philosophy. But I still postponed my renunciation of this world's joys, which would have left me free to look after that other happiness, the very search for which, let alone its discovery, I ought to have prized above the discovery of all human treasures and kingdoms, or the ability to enjoy all the pleasures of the body at a mere nod of the head. As a youth, I had been woefully at fault, particularly in my early adolescence. I had prayed to you for chastity and said, Give me chastity and continence, but not yet. For I was afraid that you would answer my prayer at once and cure me too soon of the disease of lust, which I wanted satisfied, not quelled. I had wandered on along the road of vice, and the sacrilegious superstition of the Manichees, this is a cult that St. Augustine followed, not because I thought that it was right, but because I preferred it to the Christian belief, which I did not explore as I ought, but opposed out of malice. I had pretended to myself for the reason why, day after day, I staved off the decision to renounce worldly ambition and follow you alone was, what I could not cer- uh, was that I could not certain goal towards what might steer my course. But the time had now come when I stood naked before my own eyes, while my conscience upbraided me. Am I to be silent? Did you not always say that you would not discard your load of vanity for the sake of a truth that was not proved? Now you would know that the truth is proved, but the load is still on my shoulders. Yet here are others who have exchanged their load for wings, although they did not wear themselves out in the search for truth or spend ten years or, making up, uh, or more in making up their minds. All the time that Ponticanius was speaking, my conscience gnawed away at me like this. I was overcome by shame. And when he had finished his tale and completed the business for which he had come, he went away, and I was left to my own thoughts. I made all sorts of accusations against myself. I cudgeled my soul and belabored it with reasons why it should follow uh, me now that I was trying so hard to follow you. But I fought back, I would not obey and yet could offer no excuse. All its old arguments were exhausted and had been shown to be false. My inner self was a house divided against itself. In the heat of the fierce conflict, which I had stirred up against my soul in our common abode, my heart, I turned upon Olypius. My looks betrayed the commotion in my mind as I exclaimed, what is the matter with us? What is the meaning of this story? These men have not had our schooling, Yet they stand up and storm the gates of hell, or excuse me, the storms of, uh, uh, the gates of heaven, while we, for all our learning, lie here groveling in this world of flesh and blood. It is because they have led the way that we are shamed to follow. Is it not worse to hold back? This is uh, an excerpt from St. Augustine's Confessions. Um, I, uh, I originally had planned on uh, giving a quick summary of St. Augustine and. Uh, I was hoping it would be grand and eloquent and I can share with you how much I love St. Augustine. But um, uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. And um, I'm just going to read the back of this book, which uh, does a better job of what I would have said anyway. Um, it said, the son of a pagan father and a Christian mother, St. Augustine spent his early years torn between conflicting faiths and world views. Uh, in fact, quick song, uh, commentary here, he, uh, he, he actually belonged to, uh, to a cult. Uh, called the Manichees, which he just referenced in in, uh, the excerpt that I just read. His confessions, written when he was in his 40s, recount how slowly and painfully he came to turn away from his youthful ideas and licentious lifestyle. Uh, In fact, he had a mistress for about 15 years, uh, to become instead a staunch advocate of Christianity and one of its most influential thinkers. A remarkably honest and revealing spiritual autobiography, the confessions also address the fundamental issues of Christian doctrine, And many of the prayers and meditations it it includes are still an integral part of the practice of Christianity today. So um, I absolutely love St. Augustine. Um, The last class I mentioned that uh, uh, perhaps if you were to ask me who my favorite uh, hero of the faith would be, I would say Charles Wesley. Um, I would have a hard time saying St. Augustine also. Um, I absolutely love Augustine. I think many of us uh, to some degree or another are... Augustinians in, in some way, being part of the West, Western Church. And uh, we have a lot to, to learn from him. Um, so anyway, I have an extra copy here for whoever would like it. Zach, all right? All right. Uh, well, a warm welcome to you all. This is the fifth week of this Fall Formation uh, offering entitled Good News is for Sharing, an Introduction to Evangelism. Uh, since we haven't been able to meet, f- meet for the last two weeks uh, because I had COVID and also scheduling wise, um, so I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to catch us up to where I originally had planned. Um, that does mean that today's lecture is going to be uh, fast and condensed, uh, but that's okay. And uh, before I start the lecture, I want to remind um, you all of what we've discussed the last several classes. Um, so this is uh, we're going to do a longer uh, summary, but not just of the last session, but also what I, um, what I said since the very beginning. And I'll, I'll try to make this as quickly as possible. Um, so the first week, uh, we define the gospel as the compassionate sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ with lost people. In the power of the Holy Spirit, for the purpose of bringing them to Christ as Savior and Lord, that they might turn to him so that they might turn, might in turn, uh, share him with others. Um, so several different key words here. So our evangelism is to be compassionate. Um, it's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, the, the message is intended for lost people. Uh, we do it not in our own strength and power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose is so that others might see Christ as both Savior and Lord. Um, and then we turn. Uh, we hope in the future that the, they also will turn and, and uh, uh, present Christ to others. Uh, we also define what the gospel is. Uh, and we used four words to help us remember how to articulate our faith. Uh, if you guys remember, the four words were God, man, Christ, response. So that was uh, the first week. Uh, weeks two and three, we covered six hindrances to evangelism. Uh, so the first one, self-perceived ignorance. So sometimes we falsely think that we don't know enough to share the gospel um, or we aren't qualified enough to share the gospel with others. Hindrance number two, Apathy. Um, So sometimes, sadly, we're apathetic towards evangelism, either because of a lack of love towards others um, or we stubbornly refuse to do what God is calling us to do. Uh, Number three, sin. So the nature of sin is that it brings uh, death, chaos and distrust. Uh, We know this to be true in our own individual lives uh, with others, but also in our walk with the Lord. And it's easy to see how sin can be a uh, hindrance to sharing our faith with others. Um, oppressive governments and the threat of persecution. Um, obviously, we don't typically deal with this here in America, but we remember the persecuted church. And we take advantage of the fact that, uh, that we don't have to worry about that uh, here in America. So we, we need to take advantage of that. Uh, number five, the spiritual forces of evil. Um, so this is something that we're um, desperately blind to here in America. So our battle is not against flesh and blood, the apostle said, but against the spiritual forces of evil. Uh, So we must remember that despite what we can only see with our eyes, uh, there is a spiritual realm happening around us. Uh, And it would be foolish for us to think that Satan uh, cares a little about our evangelism efforts. Uh, And then sixth, uh, the last hindrance to evangelism that we discussed is the fear of man. Uh, And then this, I think, is the greatest hindrance that we have in our evangelism. Uh, We miss out on gospel opportunities Uh, Not because we can't, but because we uh, care more about what other people think of us um, rather than what God thinks of us. And, uh, uh, of course, the reality, quick side note here, the reality is that people don't think about us as much as we think that they do. Um, But uh, anyway, besides that, uh, we serve the almighty God of the universe and um, armed with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, uh, we can overcome the fear of God, excuse me, the fear of man. Uh, through our faith. Um, so, if you recall, the the thing I kept underlining through all these six hindrances is that we can uh, overcome them not through our own strength, obviously, but in Christ. Uh, it's only through the gospel that we can overcome these hindrances, and we can be ambassadors of Christ uh, that God is calling us to be. And then the uh, the last week, so week number four, um, I argued that a high view of God's sovereignty and salvation. Um, otherwise known as Calvinism, Monergism, Doctrines of Grace. It fuels evangelism. It doesn't hinder it. Um, so to argue my thesis, we did a quick su- summary. S- excuse me, survey over the Trinity's uh, plan of salvation, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, so God the Father ordains and elects from eternity past. Uh, the Son executes the plan of salvation through the Incarnation, His sinless life, His death on the cross, and His resurrection. And the Holy Spirit indwells our hearts, uh, to live victoriously and guarantee us of our future inheritance in the kingdom of God. And furthermore, I also argued that salvation is a gift from God to the spiritually dead, and that salvation finds its origin not in the will of man, but in the will of God. And so with all this in mind, I concluded that view—that uh, a high view of God's sovereignty and salvation, um, it empowers us with three things. It empowers us with boldness, uh, with faith, and with patience. Um, So boldness in that God does the heavy lifting when it comes to salvation. So we don't have to do that heavy lifting. That's God's work. Uh, Faith. So if God can save huge sinners like you, me, the Apostle Paul, he can save anybody. And third, uh, with patience. So uh, even though we continually share the gospel with family and friends, and despite the fact that they may continue to reject Christ, uh, we can have patience knowing that they can call upon the name of the Lord even at their last moment. So, again, this is a quick summary of uh, the last uh, four classes that we've had thus far, all in about five minutes' time. Um, any questions, uh, comments over anything that I just mentioned? All right, perfect. Um, and of course, uh, Nick has been recording all these lectures, so if there's something that uh, you guys want to hear um, yeah, in more detail, feel free to go online. Um, Okay, so since the beginning of this course, um, I've asked us all to pray for three people in your life who you would like to or you've already been sharing the gospel with. Um, So as we do every week, let's go ahead and do that now. Uh, Minding social distancing, go ahead and uh, either come together, you know, form a little group of four or five. Um, And uh, let's go ahead and do that now. Um, We'll probably have less than five minutes. So I would encourage you to go ahead and start praying quickly. And everybody can pray, or one person can pray for the group, however you want to do it. It's really encouraging to see the body of Christ pray. uh, Let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be ambassadors of your kingdom. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, fuel our hearts uh, for affections for you, and that in turn, uh, we would go and tell of your good news. To others who need you. Um, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would be with us um, as we uh, consider how to be uh, evangelists, how to be uh, useful for your kingdom. Pray that you would work through us for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so. Um, what I'd like to do today is condense uh, three lectures into one session. So uh, what I plan to do in uh, three different weeks, I'm going to just really condense it uh, all into today so that we can, um, so we can get caught up. Um, so just to give you a broad overview of what I've tried to do for this class, the, the first part of the course, so everything I've said before today, um, has pretty much been laying down the foundation, the theological groundwork. Uh, for evangelism. So we defined evangelism in the gospel. Uh, negatively, we talked about spiritual truths that hinder evangelism. Uh, positively, we talked about uh, theological truths that fuel our evangelism. So that's what we did in the first part of the course. Um, the second part of the course, which I had planned to do in three sessions, but now I'm condensing into one, one session today. Uh, today is just going to be more taking the theological uh, and bringing it down to the practical. So Uh, George, we know what evangelism is, we know what the gospel is, but how do I actually start a gospel conversation? Um, How do I bring up Jesus in a conversation without sounding like a religious fanatic? Uh, What are the nuts and bolts of what I should be doing? Um, How do I handle questions? And can the gospel be presented in more than one way? So these are some of the questions that we're going to be attempting to answer today. And uh, the third part of the course, so this is a snapshot into what I'm hoping to do, Lord willing, um, starting next week and uh, until December thirteenth, I think. Yeah. Um, so the, the next part of the course, I think there's four class sessions. So uh, the remaining two class sessions here in uh, in November, Lord willing, I want to focus on uh, Islam. Um, so the first, um, I'll want to focus on um, uh, Islamic texts, so the Quran, the Hadith, Sunnah, Muhammad, uh, and then also deal with the history of Islam and give you guys some practical pointers of um, uh, how to share the gospel with Muslims. So this is kind of a uh, a cross-cultural evangelism um, session. Um, And then the following, so that'll that'll be the first two weeks of that section, Um, and then the third week will be, um, I'm thinking, um, dividing that one session into talking about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, so specifically dealing with Christian cults. And then the last uh, section, uh, the last class, um, I will either be doing uh, a section on Roman Catholics or atheists. I'm still, I don't know what I should cover. If you guys have a preference, you can tell me and we'll we'll decide to go from there. I'm, I'm tempted to go with Roman Catholics just because uh, Dr. Nicholson already did a, uh, a class on uh, apologetics, which uh, obviously deals with skeptics a lot, so I'm kind of leaning more towards Roman Catholics, but again, if you guys decide otherwise, I can I can go the other way. Um, so again, I uh, want to condense three different lectures into one week. So again, it's going to go quickly. Uh, it's going to feel like a hodgepodge of different topics that we're going to talk, talk about today. So fair warning. Um, so lecture number one. Uh, so Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, he said, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win some of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So can the gospel be presented in more than one way? The short answer is yes. Uh, there is one gospel, and we've already discussed in detail what the gospel is and how we can articulate it with God, man, Christ's response. Uh, and the main way that we typically think about the gospel is through the lens of guilt and innocence. So what I'm going to try to present today is uh, that there are three different primary lenses that the gospel can be viewed towards, and we predominantly think about it through guilt and innocence. So in our Western world Uh, In in the worldview of guilt and innocence makes sense to us uh, because we're very individualistic. We view morals through the standard of obeying um, or not obeying the law. Uh, We're either guilty or we're innocent. And thus the gospel is good news in that it addresses our need to be justified before God. Um, So how we become justified before God is through the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Uh, We're declared righteous through the merit of another, Jesus Christ, you guys know this, God the Father, as the perfect and holy judge, is able to look at us um, as having our sins paid for through the death of another. And this is the gospel. And again, I want to be absolutely clear here. Um, substitutionary atonement is the primary means in which the New Testament uh, views the gospel. And God forbid that we should ever stray from the gospel. So I'm not presenting another gospel here. Okay, I'm not presenting another gospel here. I'm just trying to show a different lens through which the gospel can be viewed. So the other lens I want to uh, present to you is that of shame and honor. Uh, so through this, this worldview is predominant, uh, predominantly in the Middle East and in Asia. Um, so you can think of Muslims, you can think of Japanese family. Um, these are just examples, obviously not inclusive. But uh, community, family, interpersonal relationships are more highly regarded, more highly valued than individualism. Um, so if you come from a good family, if you follow the social norm. If you know the right people, um, you have honor. And honor is what is highly prized in your life. Uh, But if you do something shameful, or something shameful is done to you, you lose that honor, and you're branded with shame. The gospel addresses people that live life through the worldview of shame and honor. Uh, Like the prodigal son, we have all acted shamefully. And we have dishonored ourselves, our families, our God. We know that we have shame, yet we look to God who has mercifully called us to himself. He's adopted us to himself as his sons. He's made us his heirs, and he's given us a place of honor in his kingdom. Um, Thus, the gospel addresses shame by giving us honor. Um, Second, there's the lens of fear and power or authority. Um, So again, fear and power. Um, This worldview is predominant in parts of South America, Africa, tribal cultures, um, so the, first, the person who's fixated on the spiritual realm uh, tries to manipulate their god or gods out of fear. And in turn, they try to manipulate other people through fear. Um, this then turns into a vicious cycle of taboos, superstitions, spells, and sacrifices. Um, in the case of an animist or someone who views nature, creatures, or things as having um, divine or spiritual attributes... Uh, The gospel through the judicial lens doesn't quite make sense. Uh, It doesn't quite resonate with this kind of person, uh, unless that person understands that there is only one God, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is more powerful than any other spiritual being, or worshipped God, lowercase g, God. So then, such a person will be better served by first having a conversation about how Christ has overcome sin and death, how Christ has healed the sick and healed the blind. How Satan, the most powerful evil being, is already defeated and whose attempts at defeating God are in vain. Uh, thus, we present Christ as the one and only God who healed the sick, performed miracles, has power over spirits, and overcame death in the grave. And the good news doesn't end here. Um, this same Christ bestow- bestows power on us through the Holy Spirit who indwells within us. And uh, I'm reminded of the verse, that I believe it's in 1 John, it says, He who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. So to conclude, uh, we in the West view the gospel through the paradigm of guilt and innocence. And again, this is the predominant way that the New Testament presents the gospel. I'm not straying from that. Uh, We look to Christ, who paid the price of our sins and made us innocent before God. Uh, But the gospel also addresses the paradigm of shame and honor and fear and power. And... uh, I share this, again, not to change what I've said about God, man, Christ's response. That still stands. Uh, and most of you probably won't be interacting uh, with people of other cultures who are necessarily in this paradigm. Perhaps you might. Perhaps you might not. Uh, but anyway, I want to present this to you guys so that you kind of broaden your understanding of the gospel. And, and you have this as a tool in your arsenal if, uh, if you ever uh, happen to meet somebody with this different uh, worldview. Any questions on this lecture number one? Summarized lecture number one? Yes. Yes, it was. Can you go over the again? Yeah. Um, so, guilt and innocence, predominantly, you know, Western culture. Um, so, United States, Europe, etc. Um, and then, uh, shame and honor, um, the Middle East and Asia. So, Really good examples of this, um, you know, there are honor killings uh, in the Middle East. Um, I mean, even even in Japan, uh, not necessarily today, but you know, it's it's still really predominant in their culture. Um, um, you think of um, Chinese, excuse me, Chinese families who you know put a put a huge emphasis on the children having a really high education, getting the best grades. And, uh, and there's this, same, this sense of, of receiving honor for the family. It's, it's not individualistic, it's, it's, uh, it's for the group. Um, and then the, this, the second paradigm, or rather the third paradigm, is that of fear and power. So think of third world, third world countries, Africa, um, parts of South America, um, tribal cultures. Um, uh, I think of Cuban culture too. I, I, I deal with lots of Cubans in my work and um, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how technically Cuba is, you know, quote-unquote a Catholic uh, country, uh, but what they do is they, they mix. So there's a lot of African influence, believe it or not, in Africa or in Cuba uh, because of the slaves that came from Africa, ended up staying in, in Cuba. And now there's this, uh, uh, forgetting the word, it starts with an S, syncretism. There we go. Uh, between Roman Catholicism and this tribal um, paganism, animism, where they're, you know, literally worshiping different spirits, and, and there's these taboos and spells and stuff like that. So it's not something that you see, you know, on the surface, but it, it is there. Um, so, yeah. Did that answer your question, Miguel? Thank you. Um, okay, so lecture, uh lecture number two, excuse me, lecture number two. Um, okay, so how do we bring up uh, gospel conversations? How do we go from uh, talking about the weather and our weekend to talking about Jesus? Um, so Dr. Bucher went over Bridges to the Gospel in his presentation uh, to us at the Evangelism Workshop. Um, I know some of you were there, some of you uh, weren't there. Uh, so I'm only going to do a quick snapshot of what he said. Um, so I think, if, I think he shared 10 different Bridges to the Gospel. I'm only going to mention six, uh, and I'm going to add one. Um, to it. Um, um, and uh, anyway, so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to, um, to what he said already. So again, this is just saying it again to remind ourselves and, um, and again, get the, get the point across. Um, and also before I get to the, the different bridges, um, so I want to point out there's no right or wrong bridge. Um, you know, you can use, these are just tools. You can use one of them, you can use all of them, you can use none of them if you have your own bridge. Uh, and you know, bringing up a gospel conversation, what I mean by bridge and what Dr. Booker means by bridge is just again that how do I get from point a to point b that 's all all we 're talking about here so uh, bridge number one, uh, the church bridge, so uh, you might ask somebody uh, were you brought up in a particular religious denomination? Um, do they talk about heaven much in your church? Uh, what does your church teach about um, how a person becomes a Christian so these are just Different questions you might post to somebody, um, and what's helpful, I think, about this bridge, um, it's that it's asking the person to discuss what they were brought up um, to, to, what they were brought up uh, in their church. So it's not directly asking you, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? You know, so it's not so pointed. It's just kind of starting a conversation, a uh, conversation, uh, dialogue. Excuse me, of um, uh, what they might already be believing to help you uh, share your faith. Um, second bridge is the intellectual bridge. Um, so is there a specific question or concern that's hanging you up in your spiritual journey? Um, has anybody ever shared with you what the Bible teaches about? Um, has anybody shared with you how to become a Christian? Um, so th- these are just questions that you can hopefully begin a conversation, an intellectual conversation, uh, about what, something that they may have learned in the past. Uh, the third one, a personal opinion bridge. So in your personal opinion, what is a Christian? Uh, what do you think of God? What do you think of Jesus Christ? What do you think of the Bible? Uh, it's surprising how uh, even people who don't claim to be Christians, they have a very strong opinion about what they think about Jesus Christ or what they think about the Bible. And uh, I've, I've shared this before. I've um, uh, just randomly asked somebody, hey, um, have you... Um, i 'll give you an example, so two weeks ago, uh, no, not two weeks ago,' uh, it was about a month ago I was uh, I was at the playground uh, here in New Albany um, on the river, and um, I was talking to uh, to this guy that was there with his kids and he was an English professor and um, uh, I, I asked him i 'm not going to quote exactly what i said i 'm going off of memory here, but I, I I mentioned something about the Bible being the most um, published book in all the world and has he happened to read the Bible? And, uh, so anyway, that kind of opened the conversation. I mean, I figured he's an English professor for goodness sakes. I mean, surely he's, hopefully he's read something of the Bible. And, uh, anyway, so that opened the conversation and we started talking about spiritual things and, uh, and I was able, uh, to share the gospel with him. Uh, but that's a, that's just a one bridge to the gospel. Uh, fourth, uh, fourth bridge I'm going to bring up is the relationship bridge. So, um, I think this is really—I've never used this one before, but I think it's really—I'm uh, I'm planning on doing this um, because I think it, it's just super helpful. So um, this, is, this might be really helpful for somebody that you've known for a long time, and for whatever reason, you know, they probably know you're a Christian or they do know that you're a Christian, but you just haven't gotten around to talking about the gospel. And, um, you know, you can just pointedly say, hey, uh, Joe, Susie, whatever— um, We've been friends for, we've been neighbors for several years now, several months now, whatever. Uh, But there's a part of my life that I've never shared with you, and I'd love to share that with you. Um, Do you have a few moments where I can talk to you about my spiritual journey? I mean, that's a simple, easy bridge to talking about the gospel. I mean, what are they going to say? No. I mean, you know what I'm, honestly, I mean, I mean, unless they're a jerk, I guess. But um, most likely they're going to say, sure, why not? And um, again, easy segue into... um, uh, into the gospel uh, responsibility bridge so this is a really pointed one uh, I think I've shared this uh, used this maybe once or twice it's been, it's been several years but uh, it gets the point across uh, so hey I'm a follower of Jesus and one of the things I'm supposed to do is share the gospel with people do you, do you have a few moments where I can talk to you about Jesus Christ uh, so it's a little pointed uh, but, uh, but hey it works um, so um, yeah there's that um, for your, your toolbox and uh, this, is, this is one that I use pretty much 99% of the time. Um, it's the prayer bridge. So um, as you're going about your daily life, if you see somebody struggling, if you see somebody going through a really hard time in life, um, hey, um, I noticed this or that. And um, I'm a Christian. I, I, let me make that more specific. I'm sorry. I realized I wasn't too helpful. Um, hey, I... You look a little down today. Um, I'm a Christian. I love to pray for people that I meet. Um, is there something I can be praying for you about? And you would be surprised how many people open up to you. Um, if you, I mean, you're you're not there to sell them anything, obviously. Um, you're there to pray for them, and um, you would be surprised how many people um, open up to you. Um, they might have nobody else that is willing and able care enough in their lives to. To, for, for somebody to ask them, you know, um, how they're doing and how can I be praying for you. And uh, it really means a lot to somebody, especially for somebody going through a really hard time in life, um, to just ask them, how can I be praying for you? And uh, they'll share with you. And um, depending on, you know, how the conversation's going, you can share the gospel with them uh, during that conversation. Or um, what I do sometimes is I share the gospel with them. During my prayer, um, so, Relinda, I'm going to use you as an example since you're right here. So, if, if I'm if I'm asking you, is there something I can be praying for you about? Um, you share whatever the need that is, and then I'll ask you, can I pray with you right now? And most of the time, they're going to say yes. Um, and as I'm praying for Relinda or whoever this other person is, um, I might share the gospel. Lord, I I pray for Relinda. I pray that she would know you as Lord and Savior. I thank you so much that you um, have died on the cross for our sins, that though we deserve death and hell, you have had mercy on us. Uh, You came into this world. You lived the perfect life that we could never have lived, and you died on the cross and rose from the grave, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So something simple like that um, is is sharing, sharing the gospel, I think. Um, okay, so again, I only mentioned uh, six bridges, and again, I believe that Dr. Bucher shared ten of them, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the evangelism workshop. It's on Grace Anglican's website, so please go back and listen to that if you, if you missed out on that. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm running out of time. All right, any questions? No? All right, good. Uh, lecture, num- lecture number three. So uh, what I want to do here in this last lecture is give some tips and wisdom in sharing the gospel. Uh, so tip number one, if you feel inadequate, congratulations, uh, you're in the right place. So God uses inadequate people to accomplish his purposes. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world. It's talking about you and me. So God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not. You guys are nothing. So uh, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human might boast in the presence of God. As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So again, if you feel inadequate, congratulations. Tip number two, remember that the gospel is not about you. Um, So testimonies, how we came to faith in Christ, are good bridges to talk about the gospel. Uh, But remember that the spotlight must always be on Christ. Some of you know uh, that I came from a broken home. I had a really uh, really rough teenage life. Um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, uh, and my conversion experience was more dramatic uh, than some. And this is a mistake that I used to make uh, when, when sharing the gospel with others. Um, I would talk about how the Lord used me and where I was and where I am today, and that's great. That is uh, obviously a blessing from God, um, and that's a testimony to God's mercy and his faithfulness. But at the end of the day, what God has done in my specific, in my specific life excuse me, is not the gospel. Um, so we need to keep Christ front and center in what we do and what we share. Tip number three, um, if you don't know how to answer a question, simply say, I don't know. Uh, There's no expectation for you to have all the answers. Uh, Nick has all the answers, so if you have any questions, (laughs) ask him. Um, uh, Obviously, that's not the case, but uh, if you don't know the answer to something, uh, it's okay. Uh, Be humble. Tell them that you don't know. Tell them that you'll find an answer get back to them. and uh, This will continue the conversation for another day, Lord willing. Uh, and it demonstrates a Christ-like humility, uh, which is very important. Again, we wanna share the gospel in compassion. Uh, tip number four, uh, non-Christians have to defend their beliefs just as much as you do. Um, so if a non-Christian makes a baseless claim or denies something, ask them, how did you come to believe that? Uh, questions are wonderful in that it prevents monologues. Um, it shows them that you genuinely care what they're thinking and what they, what they have to say. Uh, but more importantly, what we're talking about here, it allows you and it helps them to under, un- identify um, underlying presuppositions. Um, so, again, if they make a basis claim or deny something, ask them why? How, where did you come to that conclusion? Tip number five um, if something has to be offensive, let it be Christ and the gospel, not you. Um, so, the gospel is intrinsically offensive because it tells you that you're a sinner. And you can contribute absolutely nothing to your own salvation. Um, So consider your tone and your words. Be salt and light to the world. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't be a jerk. Uh, Tip number six, pray. Pray that God would open your eyes to the many gospel opportunities you have each and every day. So as I've said before, God is not calling you to do anything that something that you're not able to do right now. uh, Something you're not able to do today. Um, There are opportunities all around us. We just need to open our eyes to see them. And pray that God would give you the sight to see those opportunities and to give you the faith to walk through them. Tip number seven. Again, pray. Uh, pray during and pray before and after you share the gospel. Continue to pray. Um, so, Lord, please help me to see and, uh, and, and and help me, Lord, to take and walk through these gospel opportunities. As I'm... Uh, at, as you share the gospel with others uh, in your mind, pray, Lord, I don't know what to say right now, uh, but Lord, please give me the words to say what I need to say. And then afterwards, um, Lord, I pray that they would not forget this conversation. I pray that you would call them to yourself. Uh, rely not on your own wisdom, your own eloquence, or your strength, but on God's. Um, evangelism is, at the end of the day, an exercise in faith. Uh, we've got three left. Uh, tip number eight, pray. Um, after you share the gospel with, with them, invite them, uh, excuse me, invite other Christians here at Grace Anglican to help you pray for them. Um, so I know you guys share my passion for Grace Anglican Church to be known as a, as a church of discipleship, uh, a, a place of discipleship. So what a great way to cultivate um, evangelism by uh, bringing up a prayer request to the church and saying, hey, I share the gospel with somebody. Uh, Would you guys mind praying for them? Uh, That would be a wonderful thing. So it's not bringing the spotlight on you. It's relying on God's power to save them. Uh, Tip number nine, preach the gospel to yourself each day. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, So let the center of your affections always be on Christ. Uh, When your heart is filled with love and with thankfulness for your own salvation, evangelism comes naturally. Uh, When your affections are set on worldly things, evangelism becomes a chore. Um, so you set your affections on Christ. Preach the gospel to yourself each day. And uh, tip number 10, last one, uh, be political. What do I mean by that? Be political. Uh, I'm not talking about American politics. Uh, I got your guys' attention, I saw that. Um, not talking about American politics here. Um, I'm talking to you about a deeper allegiance uh, to any worldly form of government. As Christians, our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus Christ. So he is our Lord and our master. We obey and follow him. And as citizens and ambassadors of the kingdom of God, your job is to present our king to a lost and dying world. So let it be known that your political affiliation is to Jesus Christ. So he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You serve him. And uh, let that be known at the beginning of your relationships with somebody. Uh, if you happen to meet somebody and you know that you're going to meet them more than once, um, don't try to be a cool person and, you know, um, not talk about, you know, Jesus or the, Christ- the fact that you're a Christian uh, until, you know, several weeks later. Let it be known at the very beginning that you're a Christian. And that way, when you do share the gospel, it's not quite so awkward. Um, so, again, be political. All right, that's it for uh, lecture number three. Great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.